0: Hello friends, and welcome to episode 38 of Farmarama.
1: This month, we hear voices of the food and farming community from all over the world, including a renowned chef and real food campaigner, and a young woman who farms with passion, against the odds. Then we head back to the UK to hear about companion crop trials across multiple farms, And we ask what the sustainable agriculture movement can learn from the cooperative movement. And make sure you stay tuned to the end. We've got a special message from two old friends with some very exciting
2: news.
0: But first, I've been in Turin for Terra Madre, the biennial celebration of the slow food community. Where fishers, shepherds, farmers, chefs, food activists, entrepreneurs, policymakers, and more from over 90 countries and indigenous communities come together to strategize and celebrate. People share their stories, spices, foods, traditions, songs, and hopes for the future.
2: Uh, my name is Katia, I'm from Italy. And my husband, Murad, from Morocco. We are a mixed family. We have three children. They have two cultures, but we are in one world. Very, very happy. It's a very good moment.
3: Uh, my name is Palatina Benjamin, I'm from Nigeria. Yeah, I'm here for the food program, Calamadri. Yeah, it's great because I can see that this is the only way where we can fight the climate change. This is the only way we can help the biodiversity. This is the only way we can protect ourselves. Even for physicality, this is the only solution.
4: I'm Valentina, I'm from Colombia. I feel more than
5: one person. I feel like everyone. I feel part of the vibration. I feel like
4: part of something being fermented right now, and uh, just thrilled and happy. Ah, uh, my name is Kishan. I'm from Grenada, an island in the Caribbean, and I'm Christine. I'm from Honduras, Central America.
2: Ah, uh, I represent Slow Fish Caribbean. And um, I'm just here to do the forums and share my ideas on what is happening in my small island
4: community. And I'm a chef, and I founded this love Food in Honduras, so
3: we are very happy. It's just new, eight months ago, so really happy. First Terra Madre, first time Honduras in here, so it's a, it's a night to celebrate. Woo! <laughs> I'm so happy now. <laughs> I'm so happy and then. Uh, funny, funny. Say, Funny, say, fun.
1: <laughs> It's my first time to be like this. <laughs> me too in the past time. See, me too.
0: And what kind of surprises you the most? Are you Or what excites you the most?
4: Like this parade? <laughs>
1: Abby spoke to all sorts of people at Terra Madre. See if you can recognize this voice. I have been to Terra Madre many, many
5: times. But this year, it's so important to me because there's a kind of energy and spirit about it that's so hopeful. And I need that right now. I need to be filled up with hope and to meet the people who are passionate about food, to meet the farmers from countries around the
1: world. Uh, it, it feeds me. All right, we're not going to tell you who it is. We'll let her introduce herself if you haven't worked it out already. Here, she chats to Abby about the unwavering approach she's taken in managing her now legendary restaurant, Chez Panisse, which has been one of the driving forces behind the farm-to-table movement and she tells us about a project she's recently launched to support the small-scale farming community in her home, the United States. I'm Alice
5: Waters, and I'm the owner of Chez Panisse Restaurant in Berkeley, California, and the founder of the Edible Schoolyard Project. I started Chez Panisse 47 years ago, and at that time we were... We were in a very serious place in the United States. We had a war with Vietnam. We had civil rights issues. And I I was so uh, part of that counterculture movement and wanted to have a place to gather. And so I thought, well, I'll just open a restaurant. I was a passionate Francophile at the time, and I just thought, I will cook simple French food, and people can come and have a conversation. But because I, I believed that we could change the world, I wanted the, repre- the restaurant to represent the values that I treasured. I wasn't in it for the money. In fact, if I had made money at the beginning, I would have been ashamed. <laughs> so I didn't even think about that. I wanted to figure a way that we could divide up the jobs at the restaurant equally and that that we could work collaboratively and It's never been about one person kind of showing off. It's always been uh, a group that was trying to make things better than they had the day before. So we're passionate about our relationship to farmers. We have one farm that we support entirely. He claims his vegetables are 10 times more nutritious because he takes care of the soil in a very, uh, a very beautiful way. <laughs> and he allows it to do all the things it needs to do, and then the vegetables can be all they can be. We have maybe 60 other people that we buy from during the course of the year, at different vegetables or whatever in different seasons and every one of them we know personally we go and pick up the food right from the farm or they deliver it to us we pay them the real cost and I think that that is what has helped to build the big community of farm to table that happens in Northern California. It's the willingness to pay the real price. I don't want wholesale. I want to pay them what it really costs to do the work that allows us to do the most wonderful cooking. Well, we're always looking for feedback from the customers and and from each other. That. Uh, Was that good? Should we add a little bit more spice to that? It's never a personal thing. It it can't be. We're trying to always get better at what we're doing. And if we're not ready to hear that kind of criticism, then it can never happen if you take it personally. The smaller scale farming community, get ready because we're going to buy food for the schools. We're going to buy it directly from you. And we're going to give you the real price. And 20% of the population of the United States is in schools. We need many more farmers, and we need to connect with the schools that are locally there, in your communities, and we can be an engine for sustainability and uh, nourishment.
0: 18-year-old Muna was at Terra Madre with her mother. Muna is a young farmer from the West Bank in Palestine, a land full of challenges. Her family has been farming for generations. And as a child, Muna didn't show much interest in farming. But she's now thrown herself into the task of tending their land and their animals.
1: Muna also has a side project. Aged just 15, she began gathering young volunteers to harvest and tend abandoned olive groves belonging to members of the Palestinian diaspora.
3: My name is Muna. I'm 18 years old. I'm, I live in a small village in Palestine. It's called Bourin. Yeah, we have a difficult situation for a farmer and the students, yeah. Uh, actually, my family have uh, has a lots of farm. So, cause my uh, grandmother and my grand grand grandmother like they like a farm, and um, I learn everything from my parents. So in the first, I, I'm not interested interesting in uh, farm or anything. But when someone challenged me, like they said, you are a girl just to. Uh, I sleep, uh, sleep and eat, uh, and I, ch- I challenge him to learn everything. It was my start, so I was start from this point. So then I learned everything, and I'm still learning for now. I love actually, I love the land now. We have chicken, we have goats and cow. So uh, the goats and chicken always uh, in the farm and eat our plants. Yeah. And I like animals, so we got eggs, milk, meat, everything. So everything in my house actually from my, my farm and our animals. I am vegetarian because I like the animals and I like to play with them. I have a lot of friends from animals. In Palestine we have a difficult situation because Israel occupied us. So my village actually there a is uh, two settlements uh, and uh, two camps my village in the center and there is settlement settlement camp camp i said before we have lots of farms so uh, some of it's in the mountain we should get uh, a permission to go there because it's under the settlement sometimes they didn't give uh, give us the the permission so um, in the olive harvest we take permission for like two days or or three and they beat uh, they the hours, so we can just say four or five hours, and that's not enough for us. And uh, even when have, we have a bear mission, yeah, they, they always make a problem for us. They can take a picture of us, and we can't. They can come and say something bad, and the army protect them, and that's not fair. Actually, they camp in Burin, building my land, my family land. So when I was there, the settlers came, uh, there is a family of settlers, they uh, make a video of us, and um, we felt uh, uncomfortable, so that's a bad situation. You, uh, you, you know, you see someone building your farm and your land, and now they want to uh, take your harvest, your, your, your olive. When we was there, there is a man, uh, from Israel came and said, uh, "Get back to Syria, go back to Syria. You are from Syria." And I and we have the proof that this land is for us. We have the proof. I'm from the generation that never felt like a free before because I didn't know how the free looks like. I, I born when the, when Israel already was cubed us, so I didn't know how the, the feeling uh, and how feeling when you be free. Um, I don't know the feelings when you be free. Yeah. There is a traditional thing we just choose to, to farm. So we don't use chemical things. We just use the growth of the animal. Yeah, uh, our product uh, is 100% natural. And now when I want to produce something, I ask my mom first, and then I ask my grandmother. I ask a lot of people and I, I choose the better way to produce something because I'm still learning, I'm still learning. So the most important thing is to don't use chemical. All of these uh, vegetables, they use the chemical things and that's not good, yeah.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to communicate to the farming community
3: in the UK, in the world? Is there anything yeah. you'd like to say? Yeah, actually. Uh, this message for the youth, especially for the youth, because I am started, I have a project in Palestine. I started with funny things, like a joke, to take the land for uh, people in the diaspora. They can't build their land, so we big it, like just the youth. Uh, no one helped me, I just called my friends and they called their friends, and uh, in the, in, at the end, it was like 70 volunteers to big this land. Uh, and they all like, <laughs> they, they were surprised what I did. So, now we think it to take a land and produce something just the youth. So we can make different, we can change things. So we get everything we need. No one help us. Each one from the volunteers uh, brings something we need. So we started from nothing and now we have a very important project. To save the land. And it's it's actually started from a joke. So, for all you in the world, you can make a change in this world. Don't be afraid and go ahead. I just want to ask you a little bit about that. So, you were going to save the land. What what kind of things were you doing? In Palestine, we have a lot of lands. Of the, the owner of this land, uh, people uh, in diaspora, they they are outside Palestine. They forced to go out by uh, outside uh, Palestine. So when we leave the land, no one can pick the olive. The settlers where they will come and take this land. They said that no one here is our land. So uh, this project uh, I started when I was 15. Yeah, when I was 15. So uh, I like the land. I don't like people come stolen our land. So I think in this and. It actually succeeds, and we make oil, we sell the oil, and we bought a heater for the school. Yeah, and we give charity, we give to the charity money, and uh, a bit of money to the land.
1: Now, back to the UK. Innovative Farmers is a network of farmers and researchers working together to carry out farmer-led research on farms across the country. One of the current research projects is looking at the effectiveness of different intercropping combinations in arable systems. Katie Bliss from the Organic Research Centre and the online farming resource Agricology tells us a bit more about these trials.
4: Hi, my name's Katie Bliss. I am an agroecologist and a farmer, and I work with the Organic Research Centre on the Intercropping Field Lab and with an initiative called Agroecology. So Innovative Farmers is a network of researchers and farmers seeking to answer questions of how to use more ecology in their farming systems. So it might be taking certain practices that have been tested to some degree in science um, and putting them into practice. But it's all led by farmers' own problems and um, their own solutions, basically. So they'll trial those in the field and then share those experiences within the group to, to get out of growing those two crops together. Um so within the group everyone's looking at yield and gross margin and sharing data on that. Um, and then people are also looking at looking at other factors. So for example, looking at weed biomass in the, comparing the monoculture and the intercrop as well. So we're standing in a field on Mark Lee's farm, Greenacre's Farm in Shropshire. Um so Mark is Very interesting diversified farming system. He's got a very diverse system here. Um, And one of the crops that he grows is Carlin peas, which is a um, a type of peas growing for Hobmidods. Um, for food, for human consumption. Um, so he was basically looking at how can he grow this pea which has quite a lot, large amount of biomass um, and it was falling on the floor at, uh, at harvest time. So he really needs that to be standing up so that he can get optimum quality and optimum harvest so that he's not leaving any lying on the floor. Um, so he's looking at how triticale, intercropping with triticale can provide scaffolding to hold the peas up to harvest Um, So he's experimenting with one hectare plots um, of varying seed rates of triticale. So he's got 250 kilograms per hectare of the carlin peas, Minerva carlin peas, um, a pure stand um, and then one with 5% full seed rate of triticale drilled on top, one with 10%, one with 20% and one with 30%. So he's just trying to see where the optimum is in terms of that intercrop. Um, and we're going to come back and look at the, the standing. So we'll do a ranking in terms of how well that crop's standing up in a few weeks' time, um, and we'll do some biomass cuts to look at the yield. Um, and he'll also be taking, harvesting that by hectare plot, taking it over the Weybridge, so he'll have that data as well. Then he's going to run that through a four, four millimetre screen cleaner um, to try to separate out the triticale and the peas. Um, and the, if there's any split peas in that mixture then they can be used on farm for feed um, and the same with the triticale could either be used for feed or potentially also for human consumption as well. Within the UK field lab we've got over 20 different farmers engaged um, many of those are doing their own on-farm trials, it's a mixture of organic and conventional farmers um, and so a couple of examples, one is James Hares, who's in Wiltshire, as an organic farmer. Um, he was suffering with uh, quite high levels of wild oats. So it was trying to look at how he could manage wild oats in his beans, basically. So he's comparing a monoculture of uh, winter beans, faba beans, uh, with a mixed crop of wheat and beans. Um, so it was just wheat that was left in the shed it was to to try it out but also his end use is to uh, feed to livestock so we went a few weeks ago we did um, quadrac biomass cuts um, five plots in the monoculture and the intercrop and we found significant difference in the the total biomass of weeds basically between the significantly less in the intercrop versus the monoculture given that he's trying to manage that within his rotation that suppression effect of the wheat is is definitely what he was looking for Um, he also noticed as well um, we've got some pictures of it and we'll put them on the the field lab page with the the size of the wild oats as well so significantly smaller plants in the intercrop versus the monoculture um, and then another one is Andy Howard, who is farming down in Kent. Within Diversify, within this field lab, he's looking at uh, beans and oilseed rape combination that he calls Fabola, Fabiola, Fabola. Um, and for various functions, basically, so trying to look at, um, so he's made a commitment to reduce his inputs by 50% in five years. So he's not using any insecticide, wants to completely cut that out. Um, and reduce nitrogen inputs and so on. So he's got various objectives that he's looking within that plant team, um, and he's done tissue analysis and the, the nutrients within that pl- and within the oilseed rape plant are optimum. He, you know, they're not missing anything. So um, yeah, showing good results there as well. And he's also noticed that the flowering on those bean is getting more flowering on the bean plants that are mixed with oilseed rape than those that are on their own. So yeah. <laughs> If you want to see, stay engaged with what's happening, you can see on the Innovative Farmers Portal um, and look on the website. I guess it's, to me, it's just a really exciting time to be involved in this sector, there's so much happening with knowledge sharing between organic and conventional farmers. Um, and I think yeah, moving away from labels and just looking at how we can all be using more ecology in our farming systems and getting more research, more on-farm trials happening in that area is, um, is really exciting.
0: You can still get involved with the
4: Intercropping
0: in Arable Systems Field Lab. Head to the Innovative Farmers website, or Agroecology, to be in touch, and to read stories from the different farmers, as well as see some of the findings.
6: Rebel Kitchen are a member of 1% for the Planet. This means they donate 1% of their sales, that's not just the profits, to partners contributing to the planet. It's through this commitment that they're helping to support us to continue to share knowledge in the farming community and spread the word to many more farmers and growers.
1: And now it's time for another of our regular visits to Jubilee Farm in Northern Ireland.
6: I reported a few months ago that our first choice site for our community farm had fallen through, but also that we were in negotiations to purchase a small farm. And this month in Farmerama, I'm delighted to share that we are in the process of buying a small 13.5 acre farm just outside the town of Larne in Northern Ireland, where we're based. And we're doing this via community shares, making it the first community-owned farm in Northern Ireland. And supporting us in that process is Tiziana O'Hara from an organisation called Cooperative Alternatives. And Cooperative Alternatives is the only organisation in Northern Ireland supporting and promoting the development of cooperatives and community enterprises. So Tiziana, why use a community share offer to buy a farm?
2: Thank you very much for inviting us. Um, we think that community shares are a perfect tool to build not only your capital, the capital that you need to purchase your farm, but actually to build the people that will be involved in your farms. So community shares have this double-edged sword. On one side it gives you the potential and the resources to Uh, purchase what you need but on the other side it gives you also the membership that you will need to build your business. We tried um, uh, to build a community-owned energy project, we had uh, football clubs community-owned and they all used community shares to again raise that capital for them to start or grow their own enterprising idea. Uh, With Jubilee is the first time that we do something, we work with yourself, Johnny, uh, uh, to to buy a farm. Uh, And that's fantastic because uh, a farm requires capital for the purchase, but it requires people to work with the farm and be a member in the same way as uh, um, any other members will participate with that.
6: We're often told, Tiziana, in conventional economic terms, that competition is the way to go. And in food and farming, we see farms getting bigger and bigger. In the food industry, we see mergers and acquisitions. and food companies, getting bigger and bigger, all based on the premise that competition is the only way to go. But, of course, as cooperatives, we believe that cooperation is the way to go. So what can the sustainable agriculture movement learn from the cooperative movement about cooperation?
2: Oh, so much. <laughs> Look at a cooperative movement even in a, a sector like the credit unions. Credit unions have become a network of small credit unions that work together, um, serving their own local population. And that's in the spirit of cooperation among cooperatives. And this is the spirit that we would like to adopt even in other sectors and cross-sector. After all, we are in Ireland. Ireland was the birth of the agricultural cooperatives, thanks to Horace Plunkett, or some of a very interesting um, uh, initiative in Donegal by Paddy de another uh, forefather of uh, the cooperative movement in the northwest of Ireland. So we have a great history of cooperation in on this island and uh, what we wanted to uh, promote and to grow is the cooperation among the cooperators in some sort of way. Um, competition belongs to a narrative that has proven a bit fallible and in some sort of way we wanted to uh, rediscover all the tools using um, cooperatives uh, as uh, um, as uh, what we know about cooperatives, all tools for modern purposes. And this is the way we wanted to use uh, the initiative of community share and the cooperative for Jubilee.
6: And of course in a beautiful link between Horace Plunkett and the founding of the cooperative movement in Ireland, We're being supported by the Plunkett Foundation to develop this community share offer, as well as by Cooperatives UK. So if you're interested in discovering more, you can go to our website, jubilee.coop forward slash share offer. Well, you'll have the details of our share offer launching on the 20th of October. We'll be streaming it live on our YouTube channel channel we've got 300,000 to raise we've already raised 165,000 in phase one so if you are interested in cooperating with us to set up Northern Ireland's first community farm please do check it out
0: Johnny Hanson speaking to Tiziana O'Hara of cooperative alternatives the local cooperative enterprise agency supporting the farm share offer Jubilee's community share offer launches on the 20th of October and will be streamed live on the Jubilee Co-op website. We'll have all the details on our Facebook page and Twitter, if you want to get involved. And finally, for the special message from two time farmer ramers.
6: Hi there, guys. It's Nigel here. Um, you may, some of you may remember I um, was involved in farmer in the early days, helping Joe and Abby present it but I've been quite busy with farming commitments um, here in Sussex. I wanted to say I'm a massive fan of Farmerama. I still listen every month and that I've got some exciting news uh, that I've recently got engaged to Hannah, who I met through Farmerama.
4: Yeah, um, thank you, Farmerama. We were both um, involved with you in different ways. And then we actually met at a food and farming um event and I recognized Nigel's voice and I was like are you Nigel from Farmerama and he was like yes I am (laughs) I was
6: like no one had ever recognized my voice before so he he
4: felt very famous and honored but um yeah I think we I always thought that um I shouldn't get involved with someone in the same field but how silly that was and it's so nice to be able to indulge our passions in farming together so yeah. big shout out to all the farming couples out there and thank you for bringing us together oh, thanks
6: guys bye. bye
1: this month's show was made by abby rose me katie revel and joe barrett additional reporting came from johnny hansen at jubilee farm Social media support is provided by Annie Landless, Eliza Jenkins, and Olivia Oldham. And our theme music is by Owen Barrett.